from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It is the Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca, and wherever you get your podcast, thank you for downloading, listening, reviewing, all that fun stuff. And I, I want to talk about what's going on in our schools this week, and to do that, uh, first I wanted to use a survey done by the folks over at People for Education as a springboard. Then I wanted to bring uh, Craig Smith in, who of course is the uh, president of the uh, ETFO uh, Thames Valley. And uh, Craig has been kind enough to join us here on the podcast to talk about this. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Craig. First, let's talk about what's going on with the People for Education survey. And there are significant concerns over students not having access to a psychiatrist, uh, the system being under severe stress is what uh, People for Education has said. Uh, They are confronting the ripple effects of COVID-19 in the classroom, leaving education workers trapped into this. This is a quote from them. This is not me. Downward spiral. Craig, have you seen the report and what was your reaction to it? I've seen the report and as is consistent with People for Education, you know, it's a thoughtful and well-presented report that uh, deals with a, a very current and uh, prevalent issue that uh, is, is confronting schools as an institution and the workers within them, principals, teachers, other education workers. The characterization uh, isn't extreme in terms of what they are Uh, identifying as sort of a broad climate in schools throughout this district, but throughout the province as well. And, uh, you know, it isn't uh, alarmist or extreme to characterize it as a bit of a downward spiral. I think that's kind of what we're trapped in right now. And um, that's, I think, what the system is is grappling with, but needs to grapple with more meaningfully. But I think they've, they've hit the nail on the head. So how do we grapple with it then? What do we do? What, what, are, what are people who are ETFO members in the classroom experiencing right now? Well, let's start with the first part of that. I think, you know, there is an awareness that, as, as was pointed out, ripple effects from the pandemic, uh, you know, are playing out every day in the schools and in our broader community. I don't think anybody can deny that. Um, the question you know, becomes, what do we do about it? And I think what we have been struggling with is a bit of a, an identification of issues around violence and mental health issues connected with that. Uh, but we, we've been a bit piecemeal, I think, in the approach to, to solving or addressing that, those two big problems which are connected. And I think that's the the challenge that the system faces is we've got, you know, sort of well-intentioned programs and and approaches which are being, you know, deployed, but they may not be getting to the root cause of of the problem that we're facing in our schools on a day-to-day basis. I think also, you know, there is a call for a deployment of resources very strategically here. You know, it's not just a question of ignoring the problem, handing it to someone else who's already there and said, fix it. There is a requirement for specialists that bring um, their expertise to the solutions uh, and the supports that are needed. And I think that leads to the need for a comprehensive kind of province-wide plan that is, you know, that is available to all school boards throughout the province that's properly funded and resourced 
with priorities that are uh, meaningful and, and supported with appropriate funding, and most importantly, is measurable so that we're able to measure the impact of, of these interventions, both on the mental health side and on the resultant violence that sometimes, uh, and, and with all, all too much frequency, is in our schools and classrooms. So I think there's a need for a comprehensive plan at the provincial level that has buy-in from stakeholders throughout the system uh, that's appropriately funded, that's reviewed and measured, and, and then adjusted to make sure that we are actually addressing the issues that confront students and, and staff in schools. Yeah, look, it's it, it's got to be done. And we are in uncharted territory here as far as the disruption that the pandemic caused for all students and reacting to that. There's no playbook for this. There's no, hey, here's what we did last time for this. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're trying to figure it out as we go here, right? Well, that's why I think, you know, a, a step back and, and a real hard look at this. And again, I come back to the, the report that um, that came from People for Education, the most recent one, you know, confirms that we, we have some serious challenges in our schools uh, and, and in the education system with regards to the post-pandemic or this phase of the pandemic kind of situation that we're in right now. But they're not alone. They've also drawn on uh, a wealth of other information that have been done. There have been various studies even done during the pandemic out of various universities and other organizations that point to, uh, you know, this is a problem and provide some possible uh, things that can be put in place as signposts along the path for us to kind of get to a better place. So there's no lack of information. Um, I think it is a question of pulling that information together and then, and then responding to that information in meaningful ways that 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 make a difference because i think the risk that we run is is getting into a bit of a panic about mental health or violence in our schools and and endlessly talking about it which i think we do need to do but i think what we need more concretely is a plan a roadmap that is going to provide a way forward and that needs to have some resource and support we can't just have words on paper or plans that aren't activated because there's nothing in place to make the plans work. So I think we need a plan and we need to appropriately fund it. We need to have proper consultation with stakeholders throughout the education system. Uh, that means not just teachers and education workers, but parents and and school board officials and, and frankly, at, at some level, students too to have some consultation and input into what that plan will look like to resource it appropriately, measure it and make sure that we're actually dealing with the issues. You know, I, I just as I, a, a, just a quick aside or a quick side mm-hmm. point, you know, it, it's really hard for students to access psychological services uh, in, in this board and I think throughout the province. And part of that is because there is a shortage of, of psychologists who are on either the the board's payroll or who are available because they're all stretched thin too. And so we have these inordinately long wait times for students to to receive that support. No no fault of the the psychologists or anyone else. It's simply we, we don't have the numbers of support staff that we need to provide those kinds of supports for students in an appropriate way. 
Um, and I think the problem that we foresee is that if we can't meet the demand now, then what is it going to look like two years down the road, three years down the road, a decade out from this situation where we will still need those supports in place to deal with the after effects of this really tumultuous time that we've been through with the pandemic. And, and I think we, we don't want this to become sort of a, a, a flash in the pan. There is a deep-seated and deep-rooted problem that needs to be addressed. It's going to take time and resource to to rectify and to support people through. And, and I think it's incumbent on governments and ministries and school boards uh, and, and, if, and in effect all stakeholders to actually have a concrete plan in place. And that I think is gonna be the, the trick moving forward is that, that once this ceases to have public attention, it still needs the attention of the institutions that educate our students to make sure that they are supported and that, that the workers in those institutions are appropriately supported too. Yeah. And I, I know that people are going to be hearing this and say, well, that sounds easier said than done. There's a lot of students in Ontario and a lot of them need help. Uh, there are the numbers within the people of education, people for education report that would say there's a lot of students that, uh, that do have some mental health struggles right now. So I guess it's just kind of a, a daunting project to look at, isn't it? And I, I, I think we should be serious about figuring it out, but it is a daunting project. It's, it is a massive uh, project and it's a massive project within a system if we're focused specifically in our conversation about education that also needs its own um, proper resourcing and renovation. I mean the fact of the matter is that as things stand right now it looks that the government basically has a four-year plan to cut six billion dollars of education funding. So funding out of the education system as it's as it presently stands. That's an additional six billion over four years that um, is desperately needed in the system now. So not only are we are we advocating for a deployment of appropriate resource, but also you know perhaps consideration not to cut further from the education sector because it is struggling now. Um, I think it is a daunting task, but it's a required task. It's something that we will have have to address if we really are if we are putting our money where our mouth is that the mental health of students the mental health of those who teach students and work with students and you know needs to be needs to be more than lip service there needs to be resources and a plan behind it the other the other part of it though is the there is a, an ongoing and pervasive problem that is connected to the mental health piece which is the violence that we find in elementary schools, not yep. just in this district, but throughout the province and in every grade from kindergarten through to grade eight in the elementary panel. And that issue is, is, is connected to mental health uh, issues and the overall mental health of the system. But there also needs to be a plan to address that. And I think therein lies the problem. If, if we don't uh, address those two issues, then the other piece, the, the, the learning conditions that students work in, and they are intimately connected to the working conditions of teachers and other education workers. So if, if, if the working conditions and learning conditions of all are not improved, then this downward spiral that, that, that people for education have rightly identified will continue and the problem becomes exponentially more difficult to to address. So there is a there is a joining of those issues. 
Um, you know, and, and there are some things that can, that we don't have to reinvent the wheel uh, to do. I mean, there, you know, as it, as it presently stands, administrators in schools have authority to, you know, uh, ensure that the safety of staff and students is maintained. Um, not all of this is a mental health issue per se. There is also the corollary to that, which is the overall conduct and discipline in schools. And this is not the only solution, but it's a small part of it, that, that those students who, you know, who are, are struggling because they're witness to or immersed in uh, issues that are stem from mental health issues and have generated violence and disruption in their classrooms or, or in their schools, a simple step forward would be a, a reconsideration of and a, and a consistent application of a tiered intervention system, which we already have in place called progressive discipline. And this is not to be punitive or exclusive. And we recognize that there are challenges with that. But I think we need to get a handle on that piece so we can stabilize the, the, the school environments and then be able to manage the pieces that we can manage within our existing parameters and then target um, appropriate supports to those who need additional support uh, so you know so that they can receive the support that they need for their learning and for their mental health and I think the pieces that would stabilize the school communities as a whole are already in place what it requires is a willingness on behalf of the government on behalf of the ministry and the school boards to sensitively and appropriately uh, do what a prudent parent would do, uh, which is to maintain certain levels of expectation and conduct and, 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 and you know, gentle and age-appropriate consequences if those aren't handled. Not only is that required for the system, but students need that as part of the, their development. And, and if we have a hand in that as an institution, I think we need to take a look at that. As I say, and I want to underscore, it is not the only solution here. And we're not talking about you know, suspending and expelling kids from the system, you know, for, for, for no reason. But I do think the idea of expectations and how we comport ourselves in this public institution and this public setting is, is an important part of this. It's not the only part, but it's an important part. And I think that's a piece that needs attention, uh, both at the government ministry and, and board level. I would uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Let's talk a little bit more about the violence that you mentioned. This is something that impacts teachers. This is something that impacts students, obviously. Uh, what is it like at Thames Valley Elementary Schools right now when it comes to, you know, sadly, students that may be violent towards teachers, other students in their, in, in their classrooms? What's sort of the situation? And I know that it's hard to generalize from school to school, but what, what are some of the things that you've been hearing are going on? Yeah, I think we want to be careful not to, you know, kind of, paint too broad a brush, uh, you know, this with too broad a brush. But I think it's safe to say that uh, all schools, uh, the, the overwhelming majority of schools at some point uh, in the school year experience at the school level or in the classroom, some level of, of violence. And that can run the range from, you know, sort of verbal, uh, verbal uh, interactions and, and abuse, uh, student to students, students to teachers and other education workers to, to more significant uh, physical uh, altercations to the point where, you know, every month, I think on average, it's safe to say, if you look at the first part of the year, we're looking at about 600 
uh, or so uh, identified and reported incidents of violence that run the gamut from you know the verbal to the physical, uh, some of which uh, have necessitated you know medical attention for staff certainly on the receiving end of those and some who are off for significant periods of time because they have been physically assaulted by students and and so that that results in lost time and that is a, a health and safety and a, and a workplace safety insurance a WSIB situation that a number of our, our teaching colleagues are in so it runs the gamut it's not it's not limited to Traditionally, where we would think those things would happen, but throughout the system, in all schools, uh, in all parts, rural, urban, you know, upper income, lower income, it runs the gamut. And uh, it, it's a pervasive and persistent problem that we are facing, quite apart from the fact, again, that it stems back to the absence of appropriate supports and responses to students who may be at the center of these violent incidents. And I think I want to be very clear and careful here that we are not you know, pinpointing certain types of students in this. It isn't a question of just students who are in spec ed, and that sometimes is unfortunately where we go with this. Uh, this is a problem that's affecting the student population as a whole, and there are numbers of students outside of the framework of spec ed uh, classes and support that are simply not receiving the support that they need. And so we're left at schools with principals and teachers and other education workers who are receiving this kind of uh, treatment uh, and, and are experiencing these kind of situations uh, and don't have very many tools at hand to actually keep people safe or really even assist the students who may be at the center of this. The other part of it, of course, is the, the other students who are immersed on a daily level and witness to these acts of violence. And that's why I say, that, you know, the, the longer term implication of this, we, we haven't even begun to think about yet is is how students you know who aren't participating in acts of violence uh, how they're reacting to it and the impact it's going to have on them so that's the other part of the big problem right we've got violence we need to address it um, and it needs to be addressed openly and it needs to be acknowledged as a problem no one i think should be sitting in judgment but the system needs to to take stock of that and 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 i don't think there's anybody that would say you know, yeah, this is an acceptable level of violence in a school. You know, as, as I say, you know, in, in Thames Valley, we're on average about 600 of these a month. And that's not nearly what we think is actually happening. Uh, that, that a lot of them just aren't getting reported, reported, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's the reported ones. Right. We, we anticipate a, quite a few of those are, are, are not reported. And that's a problem, too. Um, you almost need to see those numbers go up because it wouldn't indicate necessarily an increase in violence, but what it would indicate is a, a, a better reporting of it. And, I, and again, if data matters, if information matters, I think we have plenty of it to say there is, there is a problem with violence in elementary schools, uh, again, at younger and younger age groups and grades. And I think, you know, when we say school, I think people are conjuring in their mind a safe and peaceful place where everybody is happily going about their learning. And the fact of the matter is we have the intrusion of violent incidents in, in increasing an in exponential proportion in our schools. And that is a real problem because every, every act of violence gets in the way of learning. And we want place, schools to be safe and peaceful places of learning, 
uh, not where we are constantly putting out fires and, and, and doing damage control uh, uh, on these really, really important issues. So it, it's complicated, but the numbers are there and the numbers speak for themselves. And the experience that both teachers and other education workers and students are having uh, is a real problem. And I think that that's a key component of kind of where we are and why also we need a plan to deal with that. Yeah, we certainly do. And I'll say this, and I've said this to, to people that work at, at, at the school my daughter goes to. Uh, I want my daughter to learn when she goes there, and she's in kindergarten at her school. Uh, but the most important thing is her safety when she is there. And I don't think anyone would dispute that. And if we've got situations where there's violence in the classroom, that puts her safety and the safety of her classmates and the safety of her teachers in jeopardy. And that's not what anybody wants. And that's we should be striving to make it that school is a very, very safe place. And if we're not doing anything about this problem, school is not going to be as safe a place as it should be. Well, agreed entirely. And I think that is part of what um, distresses uh, teachers and and I include in that principals too because I know principals have a you know a different authority in the school than the the rank and file of of, of teachers but still in all they um, they are left to contend with at the school level and at the classroom level uh, problems that are that are really uh, intense and 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 have a huge impact on the school as a whole. And I, and I think the, the part of the, the challenge is um, ensuring that the tools that we have at our disposal are used appropriately and sensitively to, to maintain, uh, you know, as I said before, uh, as, as stable or to restore some stability and predictability in the day-to-day -day life of the school, but, and, and thereby protecting the, 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 the safety of, uh, of, of students and staff. And I think, you know, the problem that we have is that there seems to be a bit of a mindset that, you know, uh, principals and teachers are paid a lot of money, stuff happens, deal with it. And, and the problem is uh, that may work to a point, but at the end of the day, all of those individual sort of crises at a classroom level or at a school level join hands and lead us to where we are now, which is this systemic and system-wide problem that we have. And so what we kind of have to do is work our way backward to figure out, we all know what the big issue is. The question again, as with the mental health pieces, is to parse that out, look at the component parts, look at what we can do immediately, and then what needs to be done moving forward. At the end of the day, doing nothing is, is not an option. Um, A, because of the, 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 the learning uh, impact that this has uh, on the disruptions do have an impact on student learning, uh, but also because there are basic safety issues at play. And, and, and I recognize that might be a tough conversation because nobody wants to admit there are problems, but I think at some point we're going to have to take a, a, take a step back if we really care about public education and address that, because that has an impact just not only on the overall well-being and feeling at the school, but also on the actual learning and the ability of us as teachers to teach. So to do the job that we're actually there to do. So you know, we've got a, we've got a big system-wide problem there. Need to have an honest conversation about it so that we can address it uh, head on. When you bring, or your colleagues bring these concerns to the Thames Valley School Board, what's the reaction you get at the board level? I think on a, on a number of levels, we're, we're in agreement. I mean, there's a recognition that there, there's no denial that there's, you know, uh, our issues in the schools in terms of violence and the overall need 
for mental health. I think perhaps where school boards uh, struggle a bit is, you know, they they are they're not absolute entities uh, of on their own. They have responsibilities and duties under the Education Act. They fit in to a system of public education. I think you know the they they do what they can do with the resources that they have available. It's really easy to sit here and say they need to take money from there and put it here, but that's not how the system works in terms of its funding and its operation. So I think you know they they recognize and we we do work. Uh, together to address, you know, the after effects, to be, to be perfectly honest, of some of these situations. I think it's hard for them to be as proactive as they might want to be because, you know, they are uh, limited by resource. That said, though, um, you know, we, we as a, a body that represents teachers can lobby the government. It, it would be helpful and I think publicly uh, helpful for the boards generally to be more public in their advocacy. And I, and again, I don't want to, to convey the idea that they're not. I think their, their way of communicating to the ministry isn't in the public eye. But I think, you know, I, there, there's a common understanding that there's a problem. We're, we're doing what we can do locally. But it really requires the bigger players above us, the, the provincial organizations that we're part of, the, the, the ministries that we report to, and the government, which ultimately decides the funding for these kinds of things and the deployment essentially of staff. Uh, that's where I think we need to continue a common front push is to make sure that they're doing the things that they need to do to support the boards in their work. So what happens next then? Because you mentioned that, you know, there's a lack of resourcing uh, at the board level on, on some of these fronts. So that obviously <laughs> is a conversation with the provincial government. The provincial government has not exactly been a great partner for uh, teachers uh, and for school boards on many fronts, including this one. And I, and I know some people may not love to hear me say that, but I think that's absolutely accurate. So uh, is it, I don't know if hopelessness is the right word, but does it, do you sit and look around and think to yourself, hey, we're just maybe not going to be able to move this very far forward with this current group in government? Or do you think that there is a way that can happen? Well, government, yeah, I think it's safe to characterize this government has a, a curious way of showing support for the public education system. Um, you know, we'll leave that for the political scientists to sort of, and the, you know, the, the analysts to kind of sort out what their end goal is with public education. Uh, you know, I, I think part of the, the next step is this, is, is keeping the issue public. Um, parents who have kids in the system, you know, maybe maybe more aware of of what's going on day to day in their schools. Although I'm not convinced of that either. That I think there has been an underplaying of issues, you know, and, and awareness of those issues. And so, you know, it's I, you would think parents would be acutely aware of this, but not all would be. Will be um, the broader community that we, you know, and in Ontario. They pay taxes to support public ed, public education, but unless they have students or grandkids in the system, really aren't as aware of, of potentially what's going on in the schools. Um, so I do think the 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 public conversation that's needed, this kind of conversation, I think needs to continue, um, because the government may have a curious approach to public education, but it's not entirely oblivious to public opinion. And I think if, um, you know, there's an awareness that there's a, a problem that 
the public uh, and a portion of that public being their own electorate uh, want to be resolved, then I think they will they will respond. I mean, we've seen that at, at some points, even with this current government. So I think you know the publicity around the issue and the continuing to push for change um, is really important. I mean, more directly to the point, as I stated earlier, we need, particularly with violence in the schools, an anti-violence action plan. Uh, locally here, uh, we provided a submission to the Standing Committee on Economic uh, Finance and Economic Affairs as part of the pre-budget consultation. Our submission was, was specifically focused on the need for a plan that was provincially generated with uh, stakeholder input, broad stakeholder input, that was applied uh, throughout the province, that was funded appropriately, uh, and then reviewed annually uh, to measure the effectiveness of the plan, which would be the reduction and hopefully the elimination of, of violence in our, in our school system as, as a kind of a cultural piece. Uh, to, to what we're experiencing right now. So that was our local focus. I know our provincial body, uh, you know, provided its input on some other areas that support that. So I think that is what we kind of need to continue to push for is, is, a, is a, a plan that acknowledges there's a problem uh, and that is, that is generated with broad public input and that's applied province-wide, funded and measured for effectiveness. And I think that really is our goal at this stage is to kind of push things along so that we can get away from this kind of uh, individualized uh, and, and sort of stopgap kind of approach to issues, whether they're mental health or violence. There needs to be a comprehensive plan and it needs to be, you know, supported uh, both, you know, fiscally and, and with personnel and with commitment. And I think the end goal, you know, the broader end goal is to make our schools, to build better schools that are, that are also safe, you know, better and safer schools really, I think needs to be our, our agenda. And the, we have the public infrastructure to do it. Let's fund it and support it and let it, let it do its job. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's a good spot to leave it. And Craig, I took up more of your time than I said it would. We've been talking for a half hour, but it's been a fascinating conversation. Anything else that you want to mention or make sure that, uh, that folks know about before I wrap up here? No, I, I, no, I appreciate uh, the opportunity as always, Craig. It's, uh, it's always good to, to speak with you, but also to speak with you uh, through your through you to those that are listening to this. I mean, I think it's I think the message I would simply say is public education is really important, not just for parents and for students who are in the system, but we need to th I think have a conversation of what we want the public education system to do. We will obviously want the system to be responsive to student needs to make sure that's a happy and healthy place for them that the diversity of our communities throughout the province are, are heard and, and reflected in the work that we do, that they're learning their math, they're learning their language, they're learning all the curricular things, getting all the tools that they will need as they move uh, into other education or into the workforce. But I think the other part of this is the school boards are not just a mirror of, uh, of, of what's going on in the broader community. They need to be a leader in that and and we need to be modeling uh, what we want i think for students and historically what's been part of the public education system in this province which touches three centuries i'm not saying it's three centuries old but public education in this province traces its roots back to the 19th century so in the 19th 
20th and now in the 21st century, we have this really great public institution, which no doubt needs to change and adapt to new circumstances, but it can't just be a mirror and a reflection of what's going on. It needs to lead. And I think what we're looking at is not just imparting skills and tools and, and happy memories for students, but it's, are we building good citizens? Are we building, uh, you know, the, the, the type of, of, of people that we want ourselves to be? Uh, and I think the education system has a really big role to play in that. I think we need to rediscover, rediscover some of that as we move this forward. And I think dealing with mental health issues and violence are good places to start with that. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good spot to start as well. Craig, thank you so much for, for doing this. Always appreciative of the time. Thank you, Craig. Let me know if there's anything else you need. That's Craig Smith, President, Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario in Thames Valley, joining us here on the Craig Needles podcast to talk about violence in schools, talk about kids' mental health in schools, and it's an important conversation. Glad Craig could, uh, could talk to us today because people need to know what's going on. And there is these reports from people of education and you may have teachers who are friends with you in your life or people who, you know, be friends or friends with teachers or whatever it happens to be that you're hearing this is going on. And, and Craig mentioned that a lot of people may not have sympathy because teachers make a lot of money. And I will say this, teachers do make a lot of money. That's true. And if it comes to, oh, I've got all this stuff to mark or, you know, I'm very, very busy at work. I think it's fair to say, you know what? You're well compensated for that work. So you're just going to have to, live with that. But when it comes to, I've got students being violent against me or spitting on me or kicking me or hitting me or whatever it is. Well, I don't think that anyone is paid enough that they should have to tolerate that sort of thing in their work. So what do we do about that? Obviously there needs to be some investment here and that's the trick. That's the trouble is this stuff costs money. But to me, if we don't have a functioning education system, what do we even have in this province? If we don't have a public education system where kids and teachers can go every day and not worry about something violent happening to them, what are we even doing? What do we have left? So that's my take on what has gone on within public schools. Obviously, more to come as the, the week progresses. Uh, later in the, the podcast this week, well, we'll do Friday Roundtable, and I'm sure we'll have lots to say about what Justin Trudeau announced this week when it comes to foreign election interference, and we'll talk about this topic as well, and uh, maybe even some snowplow conversations. So we'll see how that goes, but that's something that's been uh, going around on the internet as well. So more of the Craig Needles podcast coming up on Friday for the Roundtable. Thank you for listening to, downloading, reviewing, subscribing, all that stuff for the Craig Needles podcast, which you can find at ClassicRock981.com and LondonNewsToday.ca. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 